We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. All right, well, we are going to continue our journey through the Old Testament, and we're in Joshua 1 this morning. So we had a, an extensive time going through Genesis, through Exodus, the rest of the, the first five books of the Bible. So you got Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy after that. Those are now uh, starting to just kind of spell out what the laws were, the 613 commands we talked about last week that God gave his people for how they're to live out their lives and show the rest of the world what he's like. Uh, and then it's also just kind of giving you, you know, this is the genealogies. These are the people. This is who was there. This is who, who God called and set aside for this work. And the reason you get a lot of that, and it's super boring for us to read, but then you would have heard like, oh, these are regular people who came from a pretty messed up family tree. They're a hot mess, just like you and I. And God saved them. And he is now calling them to join in his work of bringing salvation to the rest of the nations around them. So it's actually really exciting stuff. It's just not a really riveting read. So that's kind of what's taking place from there. And then we're moving into Joshua 1 now. As Anthony said, we'll be in Judges next week. Uh, And this is all kind of taking place around the same time. Joshua is like our bridge in between them coming out of Egypt, their exodus, and being rescued from slavery. And then what happens and takes place in Judges and Ruth and all that good stuff. So I'm going to read for us. If your kids need it, there's coloring pages on those two chairs back there and some pencils and things like that. Good job, Sam. Kids, if you want to show me what you drew, or maybe you took some notes because there's questions and stuff there to follow along. If you want to show me your notes afterward, or if you have a question while I'm talking up here and you're like, I don't know what Chris is saying, write it down. And I would love to talk with you afterward, okay? Come show me your notes, show me your drawings, bring me your question and all that good stuff. Sound good? All right, so in Joshua 1, let me pick up for us. We're going to read the first nine verses We'll pause, and then we'll talk some more. Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses, Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is God's word. Father, we ask that as we reflect on these words that you spoke to your servant Joshua thousands and thousands of years ago, may we hear God still you speaking to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so a few years back, I was trying my hand at rollerblading. And when I say a few years back, I was around like 11. So you do the math. I'll let you kind of guess on that, how long ago it was. But when I was around 11, I I was trying rollerblading out. And we went to Saguaro Ranch Park, if you've ever been there before. Uh, We used to call it as kids Peacock Park because there used to be all these peacocks that would run around kind of in the wild. And then my little brother would throw oranges at them and my mom would yell at them to stop. But one time we were there at the park and we're rollerblading and my little brother, the same little twerp who's throwing oranges at peacocks, uh, he's a a good guy now, don't worry. He, He starts going skating down this giant hill. There's this like bridge area in the park there. And underneath it now, there's all kinds of play equipment and things like that. But at the time, it was just a dirt hill with like a steep drop. And then he just went into the dirt down there. And so he just skates down the hill like it was no big thing. And I looked at it, I was like, man, that looks crazy. Like that actually scares me a little bit. But my little brother did it and I'm not gonna let him show me up. So I get myself all psyched up. I'm getting prepared. And I go and I start skating down the hill and almost immediately I fall, just Feet came up this way, I landed back that way, and I tried to catch myself on my arms. And I was like, well, that's embarrassing. So then I tried to get up, and I, second time, skates just slip out from underneath me. And that time, it was the second fall, I fell down, and my arm snapped. And so I got up, and you could see there was like an L shape in my wrist right here. And it was like, yeah, I wasn't laughing then, Asa. It was like flopping around. And I'm like, mom, I'm freaking out. It didn't really hurt that bad, but it did not look right. So I was in tears and she had to take me and got, as you can guess, it was broken, had to get a cast put on. And I was like, why, how how come my little brother can do that stuff? And I can't, my little brother is fearless. Like he's just constantly doing crazy stuff to the point where it's dangerous. Like when we took as adults, a sibling trip, to go camp at the Grand Canyon, and he gets right at the edge of the Grand Canyon where there is no railing, and he does a handstand. And it's like, guys, take a picture. And everyone's like, no, get down from there, Tommy. And he's like, no, 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 take a picture. This is gonna look great on the gram. And we're like, get down. And I was finally like, guys, just take a picture so he'll stop, because he's just holding it until someone gets a picture. I don't think he ever got a picture out of that. So this fearlessness that he had would actually drive him to do some dangerous things. In one sense, I was envious of because he got to live and experience things that I didn't being more of a coward. But on the other hand, I had a much safer life than he had. Uh, and, And I didn't find myself into a lot of the tight spots and trouble that he found himself in. And I think, and I hope both of us as we're maturing are coming to this place kind of in between where we're learning that fear can be a good thing. It keeps you from doing really dumb, dangerous things. But that we also need to be courageous in the sight of fear. And I want to talk about that because we heard the Lord just say right now three times to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And what does that mean? What does it look like for us to be strong and courageous with whatever you're facing in your life right now? And I think a lot of times we get this idea that it means to just not 
have fear, to be fearless like my brother, or maybe just to push that fear down, to push it aside. And our idea of being courageous might be self-empowerment, right? In our culture today, that you can do it. You just gotta put your mind to it, right? That you can just like muster up the strength within you that exists and face your fears and you'll see that you can overcome them and you get the credit and the glory for it. But what we see in this story is that God's calling Joshua to something pretty scary. And his source of courage is not, Joshua, I believe in you. I've seen you do some pretty cool things already. His source of courage is not, Joshua, I've seen you be Moses' assistant and his, and his servant. And, and man, like, if there was anyone I would choose as a successor, it's you. Because you were right there learning from him the whole time. No, what does God say? In his command to be strong and courageous, what does he remind him of? It's the very same thing that God said to Moses when he first called him. Moses is like, but who am I? And God goes, it doesn't matter. I am. Well, yeah, but they're not going to listen to me. And God goes, hey, I'm with you. And we hear the same thing repeated to Joshua here. Be strong and courageous because I'm with you. I will not abandon you. I will not depart from you. I will go with you wherever you go. The same promise I gave to Moses, my servant, God says, I am now giving to you. So Joshua steps into this role where now he's got like these shoes to fill, right? If you think about it, a huge nation of people following this one man, they were slaves for 430 years. So try to put yourself in that position right now. They're like, you were a slave most of your life. Your parents were slaves, their parents were slaves, and their parents were slaves to Egypt. And this dude, Moses, shows up. And he's like, hey, I'm gonna go tell the king of Egypt that he needs to just let us go. And you're like, okay, dude, whatever you say. And he goes and you see these miracles happen. You see him like take a staff and it turns into a snake. You see him stretch out his hand over the Nile, it turns to blood. And you see him go toe to toe with the most powerful man in the world. And then he leads you out of slavery then there's this giant body of water and now you're trapped. Egypt's chasing you on one end, water on the other end. And then he, he puts his hand and his staff out and then water just parts and it's dry and you walk across safely. And then the water closes up and swallows up your enemies. And then you're out there and you're thirsty now and you're complaining that you're thirsty. And what does he do? He smacks a rock and then water starts coming out of the rock. And you're like, well, that's great, but now I'm hungry. And then suddenly bread starts falling from the sky. I didn't make this up. It's in there. And then you're like, well, I'm tired of bread now, bread and water. Like, man, remember like those giant pots of meat we had when we were slaves? Like they're suddenly repainting the picture and telling themselves life was good when we were slaves. No, it wasn't. But they make this up in their head anyway. And so, all right, what do they get next? Quail, tons of them. And it's too much. In fact, at one point, the phrase is, you'll have quail coming out of your nostrils, right? It's too much. If that's what you want, fine, here you go. It's gross, right? But you see, all these amazing things happen. And it seems like this guy, Moses, is right there front and center during all of it. And then he, what happens, because this happens to everybody, is you get old 
and you die. And the thing that God promised that he would do, rescue his people out of slavery in Egypt, he did. Bring them through the the parting of the sea, he did. Supply their every need while they're wandering in the wilderness, he did. Overcome their enemies that tried to attack them while they were out there, he did. But then he also said, I will bring you into a land that is plentiful. You'll have everything you need there. It's a good home for you. The promised land, the land God promised God. And Moses dies before that happens. And in fact, that ha- that's the case because Moses at one point does not listen to God. And in his arrogance and in his anger, the same kind of anger that existed when he murdered a man before God called him, like he couldn't control in a moment and he smacked the rock again to give water. And God said, hey, I didn't tell you to do it that time. And, and, and he has these moments of messing up and God goes, okay, Moses, thank you for your service. You're not gonna be the one now to lead my people into the land. You're gonna die before you see it. But don't worry, my promise is still good. I will bring these people into this land. So Moses dies and you've been like this dude, like just kind of helping him out the whole time. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, what are we going to do? And you've seen this guy front and center and you're getting nervous, right? Like those are some big shoes to fill. But then God comes to you and he goes, hey, be strong, be courageous. Because you got this, right? No, I, I tricked you on that last one, kids. Be strong, be courageous. Because just like I was with Moses, what he's saying right there is Moses didn't do all that. It it wasn't Moses's power when he stretched out his hand or his staff or smacked the rock. That wasn't Moses. Moses, who am I? God says, I'm with you. The power of God was doing all these things for his people. And God goes, hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous. I'm with you. And I won't leave. I'm not going to give up and I will fulfill my promise of bringing my people across. Now there's a new body of water. It's called the Jordan River. They've been wandering around in this wilderness for a while now because they were failing to believe God's promise that he would provide for them. So he's like, all right, fine. Let's see how you like it wandering in this wilderness for a little bit, but I'm going to show you that I'm still providing. I'm still with you. And so they're on, on the other side of this Jordan River across from this land that God promised to them. It's the land uh, that stretches out far. If we had a map, we could see this. He says, just as I promised, verse four, your territory will be from the wilderness, where you are now, and Lebanon, that's my people. I ain't never been there, but I'm a quarter Lebanese. So I was like, oh, we made it. We're in the scriptures. To the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. This is massive but there's, there's a huge body of water in the way again. And God goes, you know how I showed up before when you were trapped between water and a problem? Who made the water? Who at the very beginning of all things at creation separated the water to create dry land for life to flourish? Was it Moses? Mm-mm. God says, I was there then, just like I was there with Moses. I'm still here with you now. Be strong. Be courageous. What does courage look like in that moment? Stuff down that fear. Oh, just, 
I'm feeling fear, but tell my fear to shut up. I got this. Or no, no, no. What does God say? He says, don't turn your head either to the left or to the right away from my word. See, by this time, Moses was able to write down the first five books of our Bible that we have now. It was Moses who going up to the mountain and meeting with God and hearing his voice gets this story of creation and he writes down Genesis and he writes down their own story of Exodus and he writes down the laws and the genealogies of all the people and you get Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and then he passes away. And God says, hey, this word that you have that I had Moses write down, that's for you. That's for you and the rest of my people to know the story. How long did it take us to get to a law when we've been going through the story of scripture? It was last week, 10 commandments, Exodus chapter 20. You have all 50 chapters of Genesis, 19 chapters, half a book of Exodus of a story. Is this primarily a rule book? Is God saying, Joshua, follow all the rules and then I'll make sure you're good. No, no. Remember the story of a God who created all things, who has power over all things and desires to partner with his created humans for his glory and for the good of all creation. Remember this powerful story when even though humans messed it up, I pursued you and I kept coming after you and loving you that I welcomed you back with open arms. Remember this powerful story when you were slaves to another people more powerful than you. You could not save yourselves that I showed up and I brought a rescue. And then I shared with you how you should live as my people so that it would go well for you. Joshua, don't turn aside from that, either to the left or to the right. In that day, if you were plowing a field, what you would have is like oxen or some type of animal on the front, and they'd have what's called a yoke spread out across them. So this giant wooden plank spread out across the animals. And then you would have that attached to your plow, right? And so you would drive them forward and you wanted to get straight lines to plow the field so that then you can lay down your seed, your crop. And what would, what would happen is if one of them got spooked, or like I think about, you know, that movie Up, Squirrel, with the dogs. They're like, they get distracted, and they turn to the side. What happens is that line starts going off course. And so the picture that we're given here is, hey, don't get distracted, and don't get scared to look over here or over there, but steady the course, keep moving forward with what I've set out for you. So if we continued reading all throughout Joshua, we get this crazy story where what happens is Joshua sends in two spies to go check out the land. Hey, God said he's going to give us this land. Go check it out. And so they head over there and there's this lady there named Rahab. Some of you may know Rahab's uh, type of business, her profession that she was in. It wasn't necessarily the most idyllic one. Um, So if you have a question what it is, I'll talk to you later. I'm always... A little nervous with kids in here. So Rahab was doing this job that wasn't like notorious for being on the up and up, right? And she was also part of another people. She's part of the Canaanite people, not God's Israelites. 
And they go over, the spies go over and they're checking it out and people are wanting to find them and kill them. And Rahab says, hey, I've heard the story. The story Moses wrote down, the first five chapters, the first five books, I mean, I've heard the story of your God who overthrew all the gods of Egypt. He's got to be way more powerful than the gods that we worship and serve here. I've heard the story that your God is actually the God over all the earth and that he was a good God to you and he rescued you. That's the God I want to follow. Come here, let me hide you in my home at great risk to her own life that if she had gotten caught, she would have been killed right along with them. Let me hide you in my home and protect you so that then your people could come into this land just as your God promised, because I know he's going to do what he said he's going to do anyway. But when you do, would you remember my kindness to you? And so then Rahab becomes one of the first pictures we have, at least given a name. We talked about this with the Passover. Some of the Egyptians smeared the blood of the lamb over their doorposts too, and they went out with Israel. They said, no, yeah, we're with this God, right? So we know it's already been happening, but this is like the first name we get of a real life person who says, I'm going to turn away from the right or the left. I'm gonna turn away from these other ways of this world and I will follow straight after your God. And she gets brought into the family of the Israelites. And in fact, she becomes one of the ancestors of the best Israelite this world has ever seen. His name is Jesus. We're seeing this picture that through Joshua and the Israelites now, we're seeing that God is doing the things he's always promised to do, not just to save Israel, not just to give them a good land and a good home, but to partner with them to show the rest of the world his goodness and his kingdom, that they would actually be invited into it. Rahab's invited into it. And then we see that they come back, the spies come back with a report and then they go, okay, God's giving us this land, we're going for it. And some of the people doubt, but some of them believe and Joshua leads them across. And what do they do to cross this body of water? Is they have this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. It was this thing that God had them build to establish that his presence would be with them, right? It was, it was a symbol and, and, and in a sense, like a, a symbol of a home of God residing right there with them in their presence. And they have very specific rules about it. We don't have time to get into, but what they were supposed to do, the priests who were the only ones to carry this thing were to come and bring it and step their feet into the Jordan River while they're holding onto the ark. And when they did that, as long as the ark was there, the waters would part and they were safe to cross. But if they were to step out or remove the ark, the waters would come collapsing back. And it's this picture we get that when God is with you, you're in his safe presence. When God is with you, when he's the one we trust to command the waves and the seas, to command all of creation and to command our own lives, when we're following him, his safety and his protection goes with us. But when they remove that, what happened? The waters closed back just like they did over the Egyptians. That the same rescuing God if you are choosing to depart from him, to go either to the left or the right and not keep your eyes fixed on him, to go about another way, that same power of God swallows you up into destruction. That's the tension we got to deal with. This rescuing God 
is the same God who brings destruction on the ones who would not follow him. What we're all invited to in this story is a story that says, this is the true God. This God of Israel, this God of the Bible, he's way more powerful than these other things I've been worshiping in my life. And like Rahab, if I would choose to turn away from those things, to turn away from my own selfishness, to turn away from the idea that maybe I can be my own safety, my own strength and courage, and look to him and trust in him, that we would be wrapped in his protection and his salvation, that we would be able to safely cross over from what would become certain death in the wilderness of our own sin and cross over into life and what he has promised us. The story of, of them crossing over into the land God had promised is a story that should captivate us because we're in the wilderness of our sin we're in the wilderness of a broken world where things don't work the way they're supposed to work. And yet, we have a better Joshua who has already crossed over through death, through the valley, and into life. And as long as we're there in the water with him, we can cross through safely too. Joshua's name, actually, it would have been pronounced Yeshua which means Yahweh is our salvation. God saves us. And God saved his people through the work of this Joshua. But what happened to Joshua eventually? Chapters 23 and 24 end with Joshua giving his final words to the Israelites. Hey, if you continue to follow in God's ways, he will be with you. But if you go to the left or to the right, you will find death and destruction. He'll kick you out of the land just like he kicked out the Canaanites when we came in. And that's exactly what happens. But Joshua gives his final warning because just like Moses, he died. A better Joshua came, a better Yeshua. You shall call him Jesus, the messenger says to the young girl. Jesus is the Greek way of saying Yeshua. He has the same name, Joshua in Hebrew. This Yeshua, Yahweh saves, is not only a reminder that God would save even through the work of these normal human beings like Joshua and Moses, but it's actually God himself coming to do the saving. And Jesus crosses through the Jordan River of death. He goes into the valley of death, like we read about in Psalm 23. And on the third day, he comes out on the other side victorious. And if we cross with him, we'll do the same. And that's what should bring us strength and courage. Because true courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's the presence of hope. It's the presence of something better to come. Joshua could have a courage, even though the report of what was on the other side was like, there's some scary people over there. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. Even though we got to cross this body of water, even though Joshua knew I'm just a normal person like Moses. But what he knew was there is a hope coming on the other side. And God said he would be with us and he would surely deliver. Our strength and courage now, Missio, living today, following after the true Yeshua, the, the God who saves Jesus, is not that you have an absence of fear. 
It's not that we'll experience an absence of loss or of hurt or of pain or of even death or heartache. It's not that those things aren't going to phase us. We don't just squash that fear and put it aside and pretend it's not there. And we don't muster up some kind of courage from within ourselves. It's a hope of something better to come that we have a sureness of. Because Jesus was the first fruits, Paul writes, of that salvation. That Jesus has crossed over. So if we follow him, we too will cross over into newness of life. And when you have that, that gives you courage no matter what you're facing. What's the worst that you could do to me? Take my life. I'll be with Jesus on the other side. Finding true eternal life, separate from the sadness, separate from the hurt, separate from the brokenness that we experience today. Out of the wilderness, into the land promised to us by God, that one day there will be a renewed land where all of God's people of many different nations, tribes, and tongues, a diverse group of people sitting around the banquet feast together with Jesus, our Yeshua, our salvation. And this is why Jesus uses similar language right before he goes to be with his father. Hey, similar language that Joshua got. You are not alone. I have not abandoned you. Go to Matthew 28 real quick. Have it on the screen here. Verses 18 through 20, Jesus has crossed over through death into life. He's about to go be with the father. And he says to his followers, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Here comes the scary part, right? People are trying to kill us, Jesus, because we follow you. I know, go out publicly in front of all people. This is the scary mission we're invited into. The fear that we'll experience. And he says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Do not depart from it, either to the right or to the left. Follow my ways and teach others to do the same. And what does he say? And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's the same assurance, the same promise that God gives to Joshua that he gave to Moses, that he gave to Abraham when he called him to leave his home and go to a place he didn't know. I am with you. And so Jesus' spirit comes to dwell with his followers. Just like when the ark had its foot stepped into the Jordan River, they were safe. The Holy Spirit's presence is here with those who trust in Jesus and he is with us through it all. Amen? So what does that mean? That we can go from this place into our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, our family get-togethers, wherever we find ourselves, knowing God is present with us. So we can be strong and courageous. Not denying the fact that things will be hard, but remembering that Jesus has already paved a way and he's still present now. God, we ask that as we leave this place, you would give us a courage that comes not from within our own selves, not from us trying to muster up something that we don't have enough of. And God, not one that is absence of fear, a real emotion that you designed 
to help us with wisdom and knowing when there's danger. But God, that you would give us a courage that comes from knowing even in the fearful things, if you are leading the way, we will cross over safely. Even in the fearful things, that we have a hope of something better to come one day because of your son, Jesus, because your spirit's present today. Make us a strong and courageous people, God. That we wouldn't go after goals and things that motivate us to make a name for ourselves. But that we would step into the scary things that we know we can't do alone because you've called us and you are there. And sometimes that scariest thing is just simply sharing with somebody the good news of who you are. We ask for your strength and courage to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.